Hello everybody and welcome to the Outcast from London Magpie Group surrounding football and politics at Newcastle United. The following podcast was recorded over Skype during the COVID-19 crisis. Stay safe. We've been away for quite a while, uh, but obviously we're here with the word that's on everybody's lips at the minute, which is takeover. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Steve Rafe, prominent campaigner and a figure from NUFC Legends, as well as Sean Wade of London Magpie Group and the NUFC Trust. How are you doing, fellas? Yeah, Very all good. good. All good, thanks. Excellent. So we're here to talk about takeover news. There was a recent news story put forward by Sky Sports, uh, which uh, just dropped today. And obviously there's been plenty of speculation about this. Also, Steve, of the, the belief that you've been quite closely working with this in, in some capacity. Expand on that a little bit and give us a bit of insight into that. Obviously, there's involvement of Amanda Stabliot, who you've you've met. Is that right? Yeah, correct. I mean, you know, my relationship with uh, Amanda Stabley started really in 2017 when she came to the, the Newcastle versus Liverpool game at St. James's Park. Um, at the time, I was working in an ad hoc role for Rafa Benitez, really just helping for, as a conduit to the supporters, so all the different supporters, uh, groups and factions who, you know, wanted anything from Rafa or wanted to deal with Rafa. Um, I was I was reached advised that at some point um, Stabley would be coming up to the northeast. Uh, she would be a guest in lounges on, on the table which I used to sit on with uh, with Rafa's advisors, and that um, you know she was potentially interested in purchasing the club. And uh, I'd, I'd heard of Stabley. Um, she had obviously facilitated the, the the purchase of Manchester City. Sheikh Mansour was interested in buying Newcastle United before he purchased City. So, to, you know, I knew a little bit about Amanda Stabley, but didn't really know much about her, if that makes sense. So I did a little bit of research uh, into her. I wasn't sure which game she'd be attending. And essentially, the... Uh, you know the the research that I did was you know was was made very interesting reading you know former girlfriend of of royalty obviously Prince Andrew uh, somebody who had northeast um, well northern heritage obviously with uh, the connections um, you know in North Yorkshire mm-hmm. and some somebody who obviously was married you know an Iranian businessman very very uh, influential businessman so you know that was all I really had about her I knew that she'd also tried to purchase Liverpool Football Club. And that that had come to uh, it, it had come to nothing really because of the owners that they had there at the time, um, you know, very very like Mike Ashley in the sense that you know they don't they don't play with a straight bat, um, make it very difficult for people to deal with, and, and and ultimately it just meant that it came to nothing. And and she was given given by by the media, I suppose, the lickings of a dog by you know you know by a lot of people saying that she was a time waster and that she didn't intend to buy the club. So I, you know I'd, I'd read all of that and. You know, obviously, when, when when the game came around that she was supposed to be coming to was the game before Liverpool. Um, I can't remember which one that was now, but it was a home game before Liverpool. She didn't she didn't attend, and I never really given any more thought. And then I was doing a pre-match talking um, at the Dog and Parrot Pub on Clayton Street with Supermac, as I often do pre-match, and uh, before the Liverpool game, and I got a I got a message off. Um, 
I got a message off one of my friends to say that, uh, you know, you might be busy this afternoon. And I said, you know, what do you mean? And he goes, well, Amanda Stavely's in town. And, uh, you know, I think George Colton had, uh, had tweeted that Amanda was in town and that she would be attending the game. And this was the woman that was linked with potentially buying our football club. So I was a little bit nervous, I've got to be honest, because I thought, wow, you know, I'm now going to be in this position where she's going to be there. And it's not an exaggeration to say that I probably felt as if I was carrying the weight of the Geordie Nation on my shoulders because it's, you know, I am a good salesman. It's what I tend to do, I sell events as a promoter but you know I've now got to sell this football club to, to somebody who's coming in and, and want you know you want to make a big impression so I went along to the game I was with my dad and my brother um, on, the, on the day as, as often I used to take as guests onto the table and uh, they were just as nervous as I was to be honest in meeting these people but it was great I mean anyone who's been in the corporate facilities at St James's know you just go up you get your own food um, you sit down and you're sitting on a table and, and you, you chew the fat with whoever's there and uh you know, you're talking about the game ahead, and that's literally what I did. Um, I met Amanda, met her husband. We, we got on very well. I sat between the two of them. We chatted about everything from the, the team to the stadium to, you know, what kind of game we could expect on the day against Liverpool. Um, I pointed out we had a wonderful flag display that was going to be, you know, quite prominent on the day with war flags. And, you know, I just waxed lyrical about everything that was Newcastle. I gave them I gave them in, in, in the hour and a half that we had before the game an abridged version of, uh, you know, Newcastle United's potted history from, you know, um, you know the, the the wonderful FA Cup years in the 1950s to the, you know, the Fairs Cup uh, win in 1969. You know, the the numerous visits to Wembley since, where we've come away, you know, and, and always been the bridesmaid, never the bride. And 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 essentially, she, you know, you could just see that both of them were very very interested. And uh, the thing that really, you know, the thing that really grasped uh, the, the 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 grasp that they had got it for me was when we sat in the we sat in the stand for for the the teams coming in, out of the tunnel. Um, you know, the local hero playing. Um, the noise from the Gallagher end and the Leeser's end and the East stand and the West stand and and just this this cacophony of noise that they greeted the teams coming out and then essentially the the flag display and, and I just I caught Amanda just looking across at it um, and she was she was blown away and I deliberately didn't sit next to her on the day I, I actually plonked my dad and my brother in front of them so it's it's become a bit of a running joke in our family now that every time the Amanda Stavely's on Sky and 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 um, there's coverage of you know something to do with Amanda my dad and Rob are getting more uh, they're getting more publicity than me they're all over the, they're all they're all over the TV networks but when she looked, when she, um, you know, I deliberately sat out of the way so I didn't get photographed with her because I knew all the all the, the cameras would be on her, and um, it was just it was a, it was fascinating just to watch her reaction. She she was very interested. She she likes football, which is a massive plus. She's a football fan. She was constantly asking things and wanting to know, and um, you know, I I, just, I think I got everything in. You know, obviously, the game was was. It was a was a great spectacle, you know. Newcastle did what they always do against you know top teams and give the best effort and came up with a really good result. And um, you know, it, it was just it was the perfect day for Amanda Stavely to visit Newcastle United. So after that, we went in to have a coffee before we all headed home. And uh, she just basically said, "Look, Steve, you've been fantastic to us. Thank you very much for everything you've done. And you know, we'll uh, we'll we'll keep in touch. You know, and and on that particular day, which is well publicised now, she doorstepped Lee Charnley. She went to the director's uh, lounge. She went to speak to him. She spoke to him and said, you know, 
whatever word she said would have been along the lines of, you know, we're interested in buying the football club. And that's where it all began. You know, I've, I volunteered my services for the better cause. You know, I'm not the first person to do this. There's, there's countless fans who will, you know, have remained nameless, but I'm sure will. You know, I'm, I'm certainly going to give them some credit in me, in me new book that comes out, Every Boy's Dream, which which essentially, you know, have, have almost got, got deals over the line for people. You know, in the past, they've, they've worked hard behind the scenes to help someone try and take over the football club. And that's been the case with this. Look, the Amanda Stavely relationship has, has been good. Um, I was lucky enough to go and visit them at the house down in London uh, late 2017. And I have continued the relationship up until present day. Um, from my perspective, you know, I think it's... It, I think it's great that they've wanted to, you know, contact me and be in touch with me. But the first attempt at buying the club, I, I did, you know, I, I introduced them to the right people. Um, I'm not going to say who, but, you know, I introduced them to people that I thought would be beneficial, people they needed to speak to. Um, you know, some some were fans groups, some were um, some were influential people in the northeast, some were uh, businesses, um, and you know, for me. That was just the, the right thing to do. And sadly, as we all know, the uh, the first attempt at buying Newcastle United, you know, fell at a pretty publicised hurdle. You know, the, the infamous meeting at an at a Indian restaurant was where it all seemed to go wrong. But uh, I always had the feeling from that moment on that, you know, Amanda would, would always consider coming back and giving it another crack. And... No, she has done that, and you know she facilitates the purchase of the football club. She did it at Man City, uh, and look what they've done. And, and now she's come back to try and give it another go at Newcastle. You know, over the last twelve months, certainly haven't been talking week to week, day to day, week to week, month to month with them. Look, from my perspective, from my from my way of thinking, to see them come back in and and to see what's gone on over the last few weeks is is a delight. Um, and I'm, I'm delighted to see that uh, she didn't give up on, you know, give up on Newcastle United. And she, she bought into the whole ethos. She, she loved that. You know, that Liverpool game was the thing that made a big impression on her. And I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to have played a small part in that. One thing that that struck out with Amanda about me, with her being like a North Yorkshire lass, is obviously with Kevin Keegan. His dad was from Yorkshire. Um, yeah. It's it, you know, so it's this kind of kind in my in my way of thinking there's kind of like a, a, a bond there with the northeast of England in any case, you know. So I've always had mm. this kind of picture of Amanda being involved with the club from going back from two thousand and seventeen, you know, and I've, I've me personally mm. I thought that it's just the right person to be involved. I'm just so happy that she's pursued it, you know. And I actually think that obviously there's a, there's a great deal if that whole scenario comes in. Do you think that the the area and the fans have played in this part of the sale? It's a massive, massive part of um, the attraction of our football club. You know the uh, you know the, the city, the the supporters, um, you know, the uniqueness of our football club that it that it's slap bang in the middle of the city centre and that. You know, as a social as a social day out, you, you can you know you can jump on a train or jump on the metro or walk into town like I do, and and just you know the whole match experience is, is fantastic. You go and meet your mates in a pub or a restaurant, and you walk up to the ground, and you know you you go to the you go to the game, win, lose, or draw. You know, you're still going to go out and socialise afterwards, and you literally fall out of the stadium and into a restaurant and a bar. And you know, our city is something to be massively proud of. It's a, it's a wonderful place. It's a multicultural society. It's it's got everything that anything that every any visitor needs. But you know, it's something which we're immensely proud of. And uh, yeah. I think during this COVID-19 um, outbreak, I've I've appreciated it even more. I mean, you know, because 
I don't walk around with my eyes closed, but I'm a very busy guy. I work in a lot of different areas and spin a lot of plates. And, and, and you know, just to be able to, I've been walking into town every day as part of me exercise, me daily exercise, and, and just walking in and appreciating what we've got. I've, I've been taking a photograph of me with a time bridge every day. That's been my <laughs> little thing during COVID-19 and getting different angles of it, although I'm running out of a few now with this next next three weeks lockdown. But but you know what? It's great. And it's I'll never appreciate, I've, I've never appreciated it more. I've always appreciated it, but I've never appreciated it more. And that plays a big part, 100%. Amanda can see that. And, um, you know, I think, I think the, the ble- you know, we don't know the full ins and outs of, of this deal yet. I mean, we only, you know, you take everything you read in a tabloid newspaper, um, or watch on, on television networks with a, with a pinch of salt, but there's always some truth in it. And yeah. what that what really has impressed me is that Amanda and the Rubens have put money in this themselves. You know, this isn't just the Saudi state going, we're putting everything in and we're buying it, and thanks for facilitating it, Amanda. Now, you know, jog on. This is this is like, you know, this is this is them putting money in, and the headlines today would would suggest that. They've actually put money into Ashley's pocket now, you know, before before the Premier League have actually agreed, you know, that the you know that the sale can go ahead. So, you know, that's 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 showing you their commitment levels and yeah. you know the, the fact that they've actually they've actually put their own money and I think it's commendable and, and it's great to have it's great to have that kind of you know that kind of effort put in by someone who's trying to facilitate the deal and uh, it shows that they want to be involved in the future because they they can see that the future is bright and the future is black and white. It's funny, isn't it, when you think if you rewind sort of like what, like 150 years ago, I mean, Newcastle was at the centre of the industrial revolution because we were supplying fossil fuel in the way of coal, which obviously was fueling industries up and around the whole entire world, railways being built, you know, everything was reliant on that type of fuel back then. And then fast forward 100, 100 and so years and fastly becoming the fuel is then oil, you know. So really speaking, Saudi Arabia has kind of been at the centre of that forefront with supply and oil. So really, our two countries and cities, in a sense, have got a lot in common, albeit in different periods of time. My feeling is, is that obviously they they've they've are now a stronghold in a, in a world market where, in a sense, Newcastle was many many years ago. But actually, the, there's, there's quite a lot of sort of similarities in between kind of the, the ethos and the workforce of people, you know, and I'm just wondering if that's helped play a part in, in sort of possibly you're thinking, you know. Possibly. There's a huge connection with, with the uh, the Saudis and Newcastle in the northeast anyway, you know. I mm. can point to Dunstan UTS's sponsor, uh, UTS Engineering. Uh, yeah. Sean Sadler, they do a hell of a lot of work with the Saudis, and you know the the, the knock-on effect for uh, the, the you know the locality in the area with you know uh, you know 80% Saudi state owning the football club will be will be fantastic. There'll be more there'll be more business comes to the northeast. There'll be more yeah. jobs come to the northeast. Uh, the link the link will be there. And, and they will utilise it. And I think that's fantastic, you know. And we've just seen what world heavyweight title fights in, in Saudi. We've seen them grasp boxing, which, of course, is something else I'm in, involved in. And, you know, they, they've done fantastic, you know, fantastic events over there. It'll become a spectacle. The club, the club, will, the club will be unrecognisable after, you know, after five years of this ownership. You know, it'll take a little bit of time. I think that's yeah. the key word. I think that's the key word, a little bit of time and patience. For now, for the, for the actual takeover to be 
rubber stamped by the Premier League. But then I think the other the key word the fans need to have is patience for the development because Rome wasn't built in a day. These things take time, but ultimately, you know, they'll get it right. And you know, we've got we've now got it's a bit like having Dragons Den by in Newcastle United. You've got the Saudi wealth. You've got a little bit of wealth from Amanda, a little bit of wealth from Ahuz, Rubens, and a little bit of wealth, a little bit of wealth from the Rubens. Um, but you've also got all of these business brains and minds coming in as part of our board. You know, we're going, we're going from a skeleton staff with Lee Charnley having no power and everyone having to go to Mike Ashley, who's based in Shirebrook. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 crazy to think what you know what can be done, and uh, I, I'm really excited. You know, I, I, I you know, I, I, it's absolutely crazy to think that we're talking about Newcastle United uh, football club being in this position. It's it's crazy to think that we're, we're actually sitting from going from the likes of Mike Ashley, like you say, and really really poor communication from the club to the fans to go yep. to a place of where we're now actually facing real ambition you know I mean whereas Rafa brought hope these are bringing like ambition back on a scale that we've never thought conceivable ever before you know it's just absolutely unreal I mean I don't want to get too carried away at this moment in time because obviously they'll have their business model in place and they've had plenty of time to think about what they're going to do. But what I was going to say to you was, um, what do you think, like, given the involvement of the Ruben brothers, um, and obviously, like, we've got great hopes of seeing one day expansions and redevelopment of St James's Park and indeed mm-hmm. to the training facilities. Do you, think the tr- do you think the first team training facilities will be handed over to the academy? And a new, like entire new first team facilities will be built on maybe on the outskirts of Newcastle. Maybe the Ruben brothers are looking into like major development sites where, you know, like it could be like a country estate or, or something, you know, that, that they're looking into. So that it's it's a bit more first class, you know, than, than what we've got because it's been a lack of development on the on the facilities. And I'm just wondering, do you think that the Ruben brothers will be a part where they're going to bring in that development area, like albeit completely new, you know, and we're talking like hydro pools and proper medical care and, you know, like a real first class sort of development. What's your thoughts on on the Ruben brothers part in, 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 in all of this? I'm delighted, delighted to see them involved, and, and and obviously because you know we don't know who is going to be involved at board level. Obviously, people keep keeping a keen eye on Companies House for names of directors and people who are going to be announced and who's going to be on the board. Uh, you know, from my perspective, it's great to have them on board. They've got you know they've got already big investment in the northeast. They already own the race course, um, of course, the the fantastic race course that we've got mm-hmm. in Newcastle, and they they own numerous the old Pilgrim Street site as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That. So look, look, they've got they've got they've ploughed money into the area, which which tells you, you know, what you know and what they specialise in is doing that. Um, you know, it, it's it's all going to be speculation at the minute. I think they have to, you know, they basically are laying out their three-year plan for Newcastle United to the Premier League and saying, this is us, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. Um, so that's why it takes so long. I, I've, had, I've been inundated with tweets um, and, and inboxes, people asking us, and I've tried to answer everybody because, look, I'm not involved in that part of the process, but I have I have an understanding because I've, you know, for the last three years, I've studied it, I know what I know what I'm talking about. But, but also because, you know, when I see what's being reported in the newspapers, I can say, right, that's the stage we're at. 
that. At this moment in time, mm-hmm. we don't know when we're going to restart the, the, the Premier League season, but we are on 35 points. And it's all right for everyone saying, well, we'll be okay, you know, we're nearly safe. Listen, there's been monumental falls in the Premiership. And they will have to budget for every. They will have to budget for every possibility. That's what I would do as a business owner. So they will also look at that and say, you know, if we drop down, this is where we're going to be. You know, so all of these things have to be taken into consideration. But with the Rubens on board, look, yes, 100%. You would like to think their expertise is going to be called upon in the particular areas that they're strong in. We talked a little bit about that. Well, we've talked a lot about the ownership and who's involved. I think just to provide the, a caveat to that, there's there's been a lot of discussion about the House of Sam which is a discussion I think for another it's an important conversation to have but given the, the what's at stake at the minute it's probably for for another day focusing on the football and focusing on the, the club itself you talked about a, a five ten year uh, business plan things like that which is obviously really important and there'll be a lot of expectation uh, potentially what do you think has to be the priority and what do you think has to be the the, the realistic plan because there's a lot made of Newcastle fans expectations which is mm. is unfair in my opinion and many yeah, people's opinions what do you think the priorities have got to be and what are going to be the, the easy wins that this, this group can do, provided it all goes to plan? The biggest the biggest thing that they need to get right to start with is the way that they communicate with the supporters. And that has got to be top of the agenda because if you go through our history in, in, in the last 50 years, let's say, um, the reason that fans get angry, the reason that fans are up in arms, the reason that fans demonstrate and kick off with various owners is because, you know, they don't feel they're getting the right channels of communication over what is going on at the football club. We're going to hit a situation now where Newcastle United, you know, we're not going to be going to places now where they're going to up the money because they know we're desperate for a striker. Um, they're now going to be upping the money because they know we can pay it. Uh, you know, <laughs> so it's, 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 a different, it's a different ballpark altogether. But I think... Listen, I, I think they're going to get it right. You know, my my conversations, you know, early on in 2017 with Amanda and her husband were were very simple. And you know, they know they know what we need. They know we're not unreasonable. With they know that our support is a fantastic support. Uh, one of the you know one if not the best you know, in worldwide football. You know, certainly for going through as much you know negativity and and trophyless years as we've had to go through it's and, and to still come out in mass numbers paying the you know paying the money that, that fans pay to go to games home and away um that there's no question in the likely they know what we want um but they also know that there's there's a lot of work to be done um the big elephant in the room I've always suggested and again I've never spoken to them about it but the big elephant in the room's got to be the HMRC bill that hasn't just gone away you know, we, we haven't got to forget that Lee Charnley's door got kicked in and the guy got arrested. Um, you know, there's, there's, an outstand, there's, an, there's an outstanding HMRC bill, you know, which obviously surrounds the club. That's going to come into play. But I think just a little bit of transparency from from, from the supporters' uh, angle is the, is the key. And just make sure you're communicating with people. The supporters' trust, I've pushed people towards it. I think it's the right organisation for the club to be dealing with. However, there's so many groups, um, you know, so many groups out there and you know that you know all of these people need to be listened to and, and spoken to you know from the outset to see you know to see what they want but that's up to them it's how they deal with it um you know they need a fans liaison officer who i think who essentially is going to you know liaise with the fans um I'll, i've got a lot of time for lee marshall who's who's the current incumbent in that job however been you know he's been asked to do so many other things you know he's head of media he's fans liaison officer he's you know he's he's sorting problems out go back coffee with supporters to try and sort issues out that's you know listen he's you know you need somebody in there who can 
who can do the job and do the job properly and focus on that job. And I think, you know, once you've got that sorted, I think everything will be, everything else will fall into line. But I think it's, you know, I think it's clear, as I say, from, you know, from our perspective, that the next, you know, even just the next 12 months will be a, a lot more enjoyable than the last 12 years. Indeed, indeed. Um, you alluded to uh, fans groups there. Obviously, the, the trust is is something uh, we're all members of in this podcast at the minute. Yeah, and, me too. And um, I want to name check War Flags and Gallagher Flags, the precursor at this point, because you, you said that they made such a powerful impression on Amanda Staveley yeah. upon their visit. But what, what do you see the role of the, particularly the trust going forward, seems to be a, an increasingly prominent force Obviously, we're members of a, a, a protest group, but it seemed that one of their big focuses was community ownership. You have the the the, the Saudis and the, the Ruben brothers involved in this, which you could argue is a contrast with that. Um, but how do you think that the two could mesh together and how could that work going forward? I think community partnerships are really important. I think it, um, you know, we haven't even scratched the surface with this current owner. You know, he, he hasn't really embraced it. He's he's only embraced stuff which he's had to embrace. You know, um, you know, the, the I think things like the the Newcastle Foundation, um, Newcastle, uh, the, you know, the the, the Pride organisation, all of these things. You know, that there's so much more that can do. The, the the women's football team it should be incorporated into the into the club itself. For me, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's so many so many so many avenues which would just been Left to left to decay and left to rot, and relationships. Some relationships that haven't even been struck struck up. So you know, war flags. I, I mean, I was speaking to the lads recently, and you know, um, I've got I've got a couple of good mates who were part of the flags, and you know, they were just saying to me, look, you know, Steve, you know, we just want we want to remain independent, but we still we would love to come back, and they want to be part of this. They want to be part of the whole takeover, and 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 you know, the new the new era. So you know, ho- hopefully that's hopefully that's something which can be addressed very quickly. You know, as I say that. The key for the new owners is to, to build the bridges back that have been burned down by Ashley. And if you can build those bridges back quickly, then you know you'll have people coming back in their droves. And you know, I've seen a lot of people talking about stadium development. You know, Sean's just alluded to it there. Would the Rubens is that something they could do? You know, at the moment we you know, we're, we're currently got a deficit. We've got ten thousand ten thousand you know free season ticket holders sitting in there. That's another thing that needs to be sorted out. But could the ground be could the ground be built on? Yeah, I mean. When I was fans liaison officer back in 1999, um, I sat in David Stonehouse, who was the chief executive's office, for, for about two hours, looking over the plans of, you know, how it could be done. Obviously, there was an extension originally going to go on the Gallagher's. They were going to build a hotel behind it. That was the original plan. There was even plans, and I saw these, to be draw- that were drawn up for buying the old university buildings behind the East Stand. And essentially you know, because they're listed, incorporating the front fascia into a new stand, an east stand. So, you know, there is ways and means of expanding the current ground. It, it's all pie in the sky at the minute. You know, it would be nice to think that we, you know, we could expand because I think the demand for tickets is going to be there from, from the moment these, you know, from the moment, you know, Amanda Absolutely. or whoever it is is, is standing in the Gallagher holding a the, holding the scarf up, you know. There's some quite some easy wins. You know, I've heard a lot of fans. So I'd take a wash the stadium at this point. Do you give the stadium a wash? And take... <laughs> a good jet wash. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, loads of people saying rip the sports direct signs down and, you know, do it for the Do NHS you have bar name back? Pay, you know? pay money to take one down and all that. Yeah, but look, it's one of the questions we've talked about, you know, that. The, the, the rename and Shearer's bar and stuff like that. Look, I think, I think you know they're just easy sport, wins, aren't they? At the end of the day, I mean, a bit of signage. I, mean, I, I think, I think, I think ultimately, I think ultimately the sports, the sports direct signs. I'm, I'm pretty sure 
I can't say categorically that's going to happen, but you would imagine with the amount of money these guys are spending collectively, um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see those sports direct signs coming down. I think if you want the honest opinion, um, I think we just move on from Mike Ashley. Yeah. I don't think we I don't think we labour on it. Um, you know, I mean we didn't after part after the guys from, you know, you know, get Pardew out campaign. Once Pardew left, we didn't spend six to eight weeks, you know, celebrating the fact that Pardew'd left. You know, everyone just got on everyone just got on about it. The the club continues. I think as supporters we need to be we just need to be the bigger the bigger man or woman, you know what I mean? We just need to move on. We don't need a we don't need to gloat at Mike Ashley leaving. We don't need to, we don't need to make ceremonial decision you know, ceremonial bonfires and effigies of Mike on there with, <laughs> with sports with sports direct with sports direct banners and things. We don't need to do that, man. Listen, listen You've just ruined my bonfire now. <laughs> we can all sit back with a smug grin on our face, having our cans going, well actually you know we did it, and I, I've got to be honest. It's it's been a it's been a hell of a battle, you know. And we haven't mm-hmm. won all the battles, you know. The, the infamous coffin uh, coffin campaign, which still gets you know slated slated to this day, was part of it. it was a huge protest, massive huge protest, huge protest all the way through. Uh, people standing outside the shops and stuff like that, and then other marches and countless times we've all met at the Irish club or met at the, the Labour club. Um, but you know what? It wasn't it wasn't a waste of time. And, and I think we can all anyone who ever attended one of those meetings as part of the fan base can all you know sit back and just enjoy that can because you were part of the revolution. You were part of actually you know making this happen. And um, you know he, he's gone for whatever reason. He's gone now. And you know he's decided to go whether it's because he wants to buy more shops because they're they're all going to be you know you know available now due to loads of places going bust. You know if you're gonna if we're gonna be talking about an epitaph here, the other thing that the guy did was yes he, yes he's made you know he's, he, what he's done was he in, in when he came in 12, uh, 13 years ago he said I'm going to promote my sports brand globally right yeah. I've still got the magazine it was in the United magazine the club magazine that they used to send out to season ticket holders as an eight page interview. He was front page with his hand, with a shirt on, with his hand on a ball. Basically, and, and the one paragraph in there, I always, I dig it out every now and then. It's that was that was the key line I got out of that interview. I bought Newcastle United to promote my sports brand globally. Well, he didn't lie to us. That's what mm-hmm. he did for 13 years. That's what he's done. And look, he's a he's a very very clever businessman. And you know, you know, you don't need to wish him good luck because he doesn't need it. Um, Let's just put Ashley into the past. He goes That's into it. the yeah. he goes into the past with McKeague. He goes mm-hmm. into the past with everybody else. You know, everybody else who was a previous owner, and we we'll move on. We we'll move on. Hopefully, into a glorious new era where you know we'll be winning more games than we're we'll losing. We've got our hope back. What I was thinking was, you know, there's a generation of Newcastle fans that are like sort of like early twenties, and they've really never ever known anything but a Mike Ashley era. They weren't alive in the in the nineties when we did have yeah. some fantastic football. But for them and for what we've gone through over the past thirteen years of a Mike Ashley ownership, really speaking, they have been some dark times. And at least we are able to compare those dark times with what we're now facing now with a, of a new future and a new ambition, you know. Um, I mean, it's certainly a new future and a new ambition that's in the hearts of every fan, you know. And our expectations obviously have been raised um, yeah. because of all of this speculation of takeover. But um, what I would love to ask you, Steve, is um, where where do you see the club in, say, if this sale goes through, where do you see the club in, in five years' time? 
back in Europe um, and challenging <laughs> and, 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 chal- and challenging challenging for trophies. I'd li- and listen, it won't take it won't take five years with this kind of investment. Um, you know, we've we've seen it with Sir John Hall and and, and the entertainers. Look, I was lucky enough to be, you know, you know, a season ticket holder during that era. You know, my my days, of course, go back to eighty three, eighty four. So I was lucky enough to see Keegan Waddle and Beardsley play. Yeah. But then, you know, then to go from that to Jack Charlton to you know and sub subsequent managers to the dark days of you know being relegated back and the board and, and losing yeah. losing 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 at Sunderland in the playoffs and all of those kind of things you know I've 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 had a great great time as a supporter but not no success do you know what I mean I, I, yeah. I've only seen them win at Wembley once that was 1988 Mercantile Credit Classic and we beat Liverpool 1-0 in this round-robin competition. Neil MacDonald scored the penalty. I've still got it on audio tape because I got my dad to record <laughs> I got my dad to record Metro Radio and Charles Harrison's commentary went, and Newcastle have beaten Liverpool. And then, of course, we, of course we went on to play um, uh, Burnley in the next, the next day and we lost 2-0. So this typical... And Burnley were in the second or third division then. I can't remember which. But, you know, for me, it's the first hurdle. Not to be battling relegation every yeah, year and yeah. to, to, to be to be the focus of attention like we are uh, by by the major networks um, but for the right reasons and you know get back to that almost you know second being everyone's second favorite team would be great a lot of that depends on who we have as manager of course um you know we're unbeaten in two months yeah the listen the reports it's a classic <laughs> it's a classic the, the report the reports about steve bruce you know about him you know about him you know you know, I don't expect new owners to come in and sack the manager. I think no, no. they'll. I think, of course, they'll let him stay at the end of the season. I think Sheikh Mansour at Man City let Mark Hughes stay, didn't he? And, and yes, um, he did, yeah. you know, and, and rightly so. And and you know, he, he's the current incumbent of the job. Um, if the season finishes, uh, if the season does is allowed to finish, he keeps us up. He'll be delighted, and then I'm sure they'll have some kind of conversation as and when you know that before the new season starts. Does he stay? Does he go? I think most of us would imagine that he'll go, and that'll be a, a manager that they want will come in. Um, you've got to hope, I suppose, for Steve Bruce, uh, you know, that the season doesn't get annulled. Otherwise, it'll not be down on a record that he's managed Newcastle. But he, but he has took with Fervan the FA Cup, though, hasn't he? You know, since yeah. what 2006 was it? So I wasn't. Um, not, I wasn't. I was, look. I was disappointed about Rafa. Of course, I was. I worked yeah, with. A, yeah. I worked with a guy for three years. I was in a very privileged position. I thoroughly enjoyed his company and his and his advisors' company. And it was a it was a nice situation to be sitting in the director's box, making Lee and Mike as uncomfortable as possible. And and from from my perspective. Um, you know, I learned a hell of a lot from it, and I, I made some really good contacts. But to see him leave um, was one thing. To see him replaced by Steve Bruce, I was devastated because I just thought, oh my God. And I, I had to dig out the article, which I, I knew was around somewhere on the internet. And of course, it was there, 2007. I never wanted to manage uh, Newcastle. Now I knew he was going to yeah. Sunderland, but as a Newcastle fan, you should never say that. You would, no. you would never say it. And for me, that was always put him, put him up against it. But look, get away from the negatives. The guy's done a hell of a job. Um, he's had a fair degree of luck, which you need you need in football yeah. to get us to 35 points in the quarterfinal of a cup. Uh, you know, Steve Bruce, I take my hat off to you because you know you've done it and you've done well. I just hope that if if the season does have to finish, that he can you know he can push the team forward to get another six points and just you know keep us in the Premier League. Well, when all said and done, what what's happened that's different now is that there is a a, a vast window of opportunity has opened that was never there before. They've been very much slammed shut on us for 13 years. Who's to say what could happen? There's talk of Rafa coming back, Steve Bruce keeping his job. All the permutations, it's, it's been blown 
wide open. So I don't know whether there's anything else to say, gentlemen. For my part, it's been an absolute pleasure. And it's great to great to chat about positive things for a change. If you've got anything to add. <laughs> 100% listen, it's great. And I mean, you know, I, I've got to be honest, running my businesses, I do Newcastle Legends and putting on, you know, dinners and talk-ins and whatever in the Northeast, you know, it's, it's, it'll be great to, to potentially have some more legends coming through because, you know, I can probably count on one hand how many people will probably come back and, what you know, do a talk-in, but people who will actually want to see some of these people who have had play for us in the last 12, 13 years, you know. There's been a few exceptions. There's been some great players, you know, I can think of Jonas, Ryan Taylor, Joey Barton, Kevin Nolan, you know, Steve Harper, uh, you know, those kind of players. And then obviously of the current crop, you've got the likes of Richie. Um, you know, it, you've got players there who I suppose people in the future will want to see and call legends. But you'd like to think with this new investment that, um, you know, we'll be returning to the, you know, the, the sublime days of, of competing for huge names and, and essentially bringing in big, big players as, as time progresses. So it's exciting times, lads. Really, really looking forward to it. Yeah. It's not yeah, it's yeah. not that it's not that long ago, is it, when Newcastle was in the headlines because they had actually paid the, the biggest fee in the world, you know, and we had the most expensive player in in that obviously being Alan Shearer. And I just obviously I don't want to say like or Newcastle have bid like £350 million for like Neymar or something like that, you know what I mean? But at least we're, we're going to be in a situation where we've got that, that feeling of direction, you know, where we're, we're moving forward. Um, and it's and I hope that all of the fans now, you know, like you said earlier, will just, we'll forget about Ashley. It, it'll be a 13-year period, you know, where we've just been nil and void, you know, just scraping survival and stuff. But that period will just be forgotten about as fast as what Mike Ashley will be, you know. And we'll have so much to focus on looking forward that we'll never, ever look back again, you know. It's like, he's gone, good, good riddance, see you later, wouldn't want to be here. You know, yeah, yeah. So, thank you very much for, for giving me your time and stuff. To, uh, nah, no problem, lads. And hopefully, be, hopefully, be able to come back on again. It's been a pleasure to speak to you, lads. And, like, you know, like you said, it's just nice to be, you know, nice to be talking about something positive for a change. Well, that leaves me just to wish everyone goodbye. It's, it's time to unite. And for now, it's over and actually out. Bye for now. <laughs>